All right, friends, let's come on, bring it back. Let's jump into the Word of God together. For those of you guys who happen to be joining us today here at New Life Midtown Church for the first time, I just want to welcome all of you and uh, say thank you for joining us. There's uh, a, a lot of amazing churches here in Colorado Springs. New Life Midtown belongs to a family of churches. Uh, we are actually one of eight congregations, one of eight New Life congregations spread out in six different locations, speaking three different languages. And man, I'm telling you, God is doing incredible things here in Colorado Springs. We're starting a new series today, and you can see it right here on the screen, How Do I dot, 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 and this is a series through the book of Proverbs. So if you have your Bible, let's go ahead and open up your Bibles to the book of Proverbs chapter one. We're going to get started in this series today for the next several weeks, walking through the book of Proverbs. Let's pray and let's dive in. Father, thank you so much for the life of the Spirit and the joy of being connected to one another, the joy of gathering together in the house of God with friends and family. Father, the joy of summer. Man, summer is here, and we are grateful for it. And Father, we believe that your Spirit is at at work in so many powerful ways, that you are on the move, and we want to be on the move with you. So Holy Spirit, open our hearts Open our minds, open our imagination today to hear the voice of wisdom and to respond in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, if you're not Todd Swank, who's my (laughs) brother-in-law, what an opening, right? If you're not Todd Swank or if you're not Edwin Morales, who's my father-in-law, most of the time when you run into a problem with something at home, you're going to YouTube (laughs) to find out how to fix it. Just a couple of weeks ago, Christy comes into the room, and she's carrying this big, giant, silver, circular thing. It, it kind of looks like the cross between maybe a beat-up sled or, or Captain America's shield. It, it kind of looks like a fan on the back, and I'm like, what is that? What are you doing? She said, uh, this came out of the washing machine. I'm like, that's not supposed to come out of the washing machine. That's supposed to stay in the washing machine, and apparently there's... In the LG washing machine at the very bottom, there's this fan-like thing. It's called an agitator. And over the course of time, there's these little spindle grooves that get worn down and the thing just pops right off. And, and so naturally, I do what every normal person who's not mechanically inclined would do. I go to YouTube and I go, how do I dot, 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 replace my washing machine's agitator? And I walk through several videos. And these guys always make these videos look so easy, Right. I don't know, how many of you guys are like just DIY, do-it-yourself people? How many have no idea what DIY means? I want to see, yeah, DIY, do-it-yourself. I learned this a couple of years ago. I'm actually thinking like, what did people, how did people own homes without the internet, right? I'm like, man, if I don't, I don't know how to turn my sprinklers off at the end of the year, I'm going to YouTube. How do I turn my sprinklers off? I haven't turned my sprinklers off yet because my pipe is cracked, so now i got a DIY, how do I fix a cracked pipe so that I can turn my sprinkler system on? I mean, everything in my home is just a, how do I, dot, dot, dot. You know, the problem here is, and, and that's easy, right? Life, you know, when you're fixing certain things, uh, like, like brake pads, or you're fixing pipes, or you're fixing washing machines, like that's static, right? It sits there, you work on it, there's a pretty simple solution most of the time. But life doesn't really have simple solutions, right? 
The problem with life is there's really no YouTube video or no, no how-to manual that you can just type in, how do I raise children? How do I not just create children, but how do I raise children? And not just raise them, but raise them to love the Lord. Raise them to be able to discern the difference between what is right and wrong. Raise them to be tough that they're not being completely taken over, but yet they're tender with themselves and they're tender with others and they're tender with the Lord. How do I not just get married, but how do I stay married? And then how do I not just stay married, but how do I cultivate a thriving marriage? You know, these are the kind of questions that we ask ourselves when we're sitting on the porch when we're a little bit older. You know, the kind of questions when we're taking inventory about what kind of life we've lived. The kind of questions that we want to answer the right way so that we can pass this kind of stuff on to our grandchildren. How do I navigate the culture wars? This is something that I think comes really close to home for a lot of us. Now, we came out of a year where it seemed like no matter what was going on, there was no right answer that any of us could give to any situation that was happening. And how do we enter into these conflict zones of different perspectives and different ideas and different thoughts on really, really important issues without losing all of our friends or without losing our witness, right? Or without losing our minds. Uh, How do we do that? How do we handle life when life comes at us with things that we don't expect? You can't find that on a YouTube video. You can't just hire a trainer and say, uh, I just had life bottom out. See, life isn't like a punching bag that's just static, For those of you martial arts fans in the room, uh, you may recognize this famous scene where Bruce Lee is standing against an opponent, and this opponent takes out this board, and he holds it up, and he smacks this board, and Bruce Lee is not phased. He just looks at him, and he says, anybody know this? He says, boards don't hit back, right? Punching bags don't hit back. Washing machines don't hit back. But life hits back. Right? Life is full throttle. Life is furious. Life is wild. Life is unpredictable. Life is uncontrollable. You get a doctor's report that you're not expecting. You get a bill that you thought that you paid that you weren't expecting. Like Life is fast and life is furious. And so for the next several weeks, we're going to try to tackle some of the big questions of life. Like, how do I find true love and cultivate a relationship that lasts for a really, really long time? How do I deal with foolish people? We're going to talk about that. Right? How, how do I use my words well? How do I handle and steward the resources of finances that God has given to me? How do I cultivate friends and friendships? So it's going to be a really, really fun series over the next couple of weeks. Today, we're going to talk about, I'm starting the, week, uh, the series off talking about how do I dot, 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 become wise? How do I become wise? You know, every single one of us in this room, we start life off at a certain point and we want to be wise. Every single one of you. You may not now, I don't know if you do now, but at some point in your life, when you were a kid, if I were to sit down and I were to ask you, I want you to start from the end and work your way back and ask yourself, what kind of person do you want to be? No one says, I want to be a person that just ruins my life and throws everything away. Nobody says that, right? That's counterintuitive. Nobody says, I want to die alone and I have no good, healthy, wholesome friendships around me. No no, no one says that. No one says, I want to get into a marriage only so that I can end it after a year or two. No one says that. 
every single one of us have the internal desire to live life well and to experience the good life. There's a man by the name of Eugene Peterson. He authored a, a, a translation of the Bible called The Message. And he defines wisdom as this. In his introduction to the book of Proverbs, he defines wisdom as the art of living skillfully in whatever situation you find yourself in. The art of living skillfully in whatever situation that you find yourself in. When life comes at you in an unpredictable way and you find yourself in a place that you did not expect, how do we live skillfully in that situation? Another way of asking that is, how do we become the kind of people who know how to handle ourselves in whatever life throws at us? And this is what the book of Proverbs teaches us. Proverbs speaks to almost any situation in life that you'll find yourself in. So in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1, the author of many of the Proverbs begins and he says this, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction. So what he's doing is he's explaining to us, this is why I've written this book. I've taken the time to observe my life. I've observed the life of the people that are around me. I've tried to think about many of the situations in life that you will find yourself in from the perspective of heaven and God, and I've written this book to pass it on to you. Gaining wisdom, gaining instruction for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge, and discretion to the young. So let the wise listen and let them continue to add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance. And here's another reason why I wrote this book, for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and the riddles of the wise. So this is the intro to the entire book of Proverbs. Those of you who are simple, Proverbs have something to say to you. Those of you who want to live life well, to end your day saying, I lived life in a meaningful and purposeful way, Proverbs has something to say to us. Let's start here for a few minutes talking about what wisdom is not. What wisdom is not. Number one, wisdom is not just having a higher IQ. Wisdom is not the accumulation of more data, more information. Number three, wisdom is not having all the right answers. And finally, wisdom is not just living long. Let me break those down. Number one, wisdom is not a higher IQ. What do I mean by that? There are people in this room that are brilliant. You are gifted with a high level of intellectual capacity. So John mentioned this morning that he was at a funeral and someone was speaking about talents. The scripture that he's referencing is the story of a king that goes away and he gives people five, three, and one talent. Every single one of us in this room have a certain measure of intellectual talent, of intellectual capacity. Some of you guys are off the charts, but that doesn't necessarily make you wise. Right? The ability to capture things quickly, the ability to speak with a massive vocabulary, the ability to have high intellectual acumen does not mean that you're wise. Number two, wisdom is not the accumulation of just more information. 
Every single one of us in this room, most of us, in our pockets, I should have my smartphone right now, in our pockets or in our hands are holding a supercomputer. But do you guys realize that the iPhone or the, the, the whatever, the Google, Galaxy, Android, all the different things that are out there now, that these little things that are in your pocket are actually more powerful than the first supercomputer that was ever created that sent the first human being to the moon? What you have in your pocket is more powerful than that. It's more powerful. For almost any situation in life that you want answers to, the, the, the answer is ask Siri or ask Google, right? But that makes you a researcher. That doesn't make you a sage, right? If there's anything that Avengers Age of Ultron has taught us, it's that the accumulation of more data, wrongly interpreted and wrongly calculated, can have devastating results. For those of you guys who are not aware of what I'm talking about, you have to watch Avengers Age of Ultron. All right, when AI comes alive and it starts calculating all just massive amounts of data and goes, it would be better if I ruled you guys than you ruled yourself. Okay, more information does not make us wise. Number three, having the right answers. You ever met you ever met the Captain Obvious person? Right, thanks a lot, Captain Obvious. Right, you're throwing something out there and they always have some quick, witty smart aleck response to almost every situation in life. Having good answers, having right answers does not mean that you have wisdom. Sometimes wisdom is not just having the right answer. Sometimes wisdom is meaning that you know when not to say anything at all. Sometimes wisdom knows uh, not just what to say, but, but how to say it right? and when to say it. There is a timing to the right answer. Wisdom recognizes and realizes, yeah, yeah, your, your heart's not ready for this. Your, your mind's not open. You're not receptive, so I'm just going to hold on to this. I'm still learning that one. And finally, wisdom is not just longer living. Ed Cole said it like this. He says that maturity does not come with age, but it comes with the acceptance of responsibility. When my two nephews, or when my one nephew was turning 18 and then he was turning 21, there was all this language of, I'm an adult now, I'm an adult now, I'm an adult now. And I just kept saying, listen, maturity does not come with age. Man, there are a lot of 40-year-olds and 50-year-olds that are still acting like 16-year-olds, right? Because just, just living does not necessarily mean that we are accumulating wisdom. It's living reflectively. It's living purposefully. It's living meaningfully. It's living wisely. So we know what wisdom is not. Let's talk about a few things that we know that wisdom is. What is wisdom? Number one, wisdom is a perspective. It is a perspective on the life that you live. And it's a perspective that enables you to see with foresight and with insight. In other words, it's the perspective to see what heaven sees. Wisdom is heaven's vantage point. It's the ability to see what really matters. It's the ability to see what really matters. You ever heard that phrase, don't sweat the small stuff, right? Sometimes we get worked up on things that that at the end of our days, and, and more importantly, at the end of all days, this really isn't that important. We're wasting our time giving our energy, giving our best strength, giving our best years to something that we'll look back on and we'll say, none of that mattered. You know, when I was a kid, when I was young, 
You know what I wanted in a relationship is I wanted a girl who was fine. That was what was important, right? I mean, you know, if she had a good conversation, maybe. If she had a little bit of wisdom, maybe, right? But at the, you know, after I, after I just, you know, shook everything down, it was, girl, you fine. We got to get to know each other. After being married almost 20 years now, it'll be 20 years in August, my definition of fine, my definition of attractive, it's way different. It's way different. Because what's attractive to me is, is less facial features, hair, makeup, eyes. What's, what's attractive to me is my wife's ability to be gracious and patient with me and with our children. What's attractive to me is her ability to serve sacrificially and to do that with joy over and over and over again. What's attractive to me is her ability to choose what's right every time, no matter what the cost. And a lot of times she's reminding me to do the right thing even when it costs us something and that is attractive. What's attractive is her relationship with God and the way that she invites the Lord to speak in to her life. That is what has enabled our marriage to stand for 20 years. And prayerfully, it's going to enable our marriage to stand for another 20 to 30 and 40 years. Now, when I was a young man starting off in ministry, like most young men and most young women even, who start off their road into ministry, the vision was big churches and big conferences. Most young people who start off in the ministry, their heart's right. Their heart's good. God, I want to honor you. I want to follow you. I want to be faithful to you. But somewhere along the way, and it's the pressure of this culture, the, the idea of bigger and better and faster creeps into our heart. And when we're young, we think that's the standard of what success in ministry is. But guys, listen, after 20 years of being in full-time ministry, I realize that the standard of success is not whether or not Jay Duncan is known. The standard of success is how well I made Jesus known. This is perspective. This is the perspective of wisdom. The perspective of wisdom is not how fast I can go. The perspective is how long can I stay in this. The perspective is not, you know, uh, how many books I can write and how many sermons I can speak well. The perspective is can I keep my heart clean? And can I keep my motives pure? And can I make sure that I don't use people? Right? Can I make sure that everything I'm doing, I'm doing by the grace and the power of God and not in my own strength and in my own ability? Can I love sincerely? Can I give generously? Can I serve joyfully? That's the perspective of 20 years of wisdom. And I am praying and I believe it will continue to grow and mature and change as I live further. Wisdom is a perspective, friends. How do we become wise? How do we live skillfully in whatever situation we find ourselves in? We ask God for heaven's perspective on every situation that we are in. Now, it feels good to stay in conflict with a brother or sister, but what is heaven saying? What is the spirit of God saying is necessary for this relationship to endure? Second thing is wisdom is a posture. What do I mean by that? It's not only a perspective that we see, but it's a posture of our heart that we live into. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, a well-known verse of scripture. Many of us know this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The starting point of wisdom, the trailhead that leads us on the path of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. 
which should cause us to back up and say, well, what then is the fear of the Lord? When you think throughout the the grand narrative of Scripture, most of us will find that every time a human being encounters God, what do they do? They fall to their face. Most of the time we find in the Scriptures that when someone comes face to face and encounters some semblance of God, it could be a burning bush, it could be an angel, it could be God himself, the, the, the natural human response is that we recognize who we are not in light of who God is. The, the fear of the Lord is an accurate revelation of who God is. It's seeing God rightly. And then it's responding appropriately. So if we see God as holy, then we're going to respond with worship. If we see God as a provider, we're going to respond with trust. That's a demonstration of the fear of the Lord. If we see God as a good and loving father, we're going to respond in intimacy. That is a response of the fear of the Lord. If we see God as someone who knows how life is run, we're going to say, God, I trust you. Teach me how to live life and teach me how to live life well. I don't need to do this all by myself. I don't need to figure this out the hard way. How many of you guys are in this room? This is going to be really fun. How many of you are the kind of people that you're like, I, I've got to figure it out the hard way. I'm just curious. How many of you have enough self-awareness that you're the, <laughs> Greg, I love that. Greg was just like, <laughs> sometimes I think parenting is just a perpetual exercise in teaching kids how to not have to experience life the hard way, the hard way. I'll never forget when I got my first canoe, I took Milan and Kenya out. We went up there on Palmer Lake and we were out canoeing, have a grand time, man. I loaded that thing up with, with treats and with snacks and we're just, we're just cruising along on the canoe and, and Kenya stands up in the boat and I said, Kenya, son, I said, you need to sit down. You need to stay in the boat because, and I explained all the reasons and we're, we're, we're cruising along a little bit more. And then he stands up again. I said, I said Kenya, you need, to, you need to sit down, son, because if you stand up, and I explain all the reasons. And then as we're coming into the sandbar of the shore, Kenya stands up again, and everybody knows what happens, right? We hit that sandbar, and he flies into the canoe, and he's crying, and he's looking at me, and I'm saying, son. <laughs> Christy has this phrase that she likes to use, Whenever she runs into someone who just kind of perpetually goes around the mountain, she says, life will teach them. Life will teach them. Right? Wisdom is a posture that says, God, you know more than I do. And that posture births in us humility. Another way that you can look at the fear of the Lord is the fear of the Lord is a humble response to an accurate revelation of who God is. For those of you who are not familiar with some of the Bible stories, the third king of Israel was a guy by the name of Solomon. He's actually the guy we read about in Proverbs chapter 1. He wrote many of the Proverbs. And Solomon inherited a massive, enormous task. Solomon's dad was a guy by the name of David. David was one of the most beloved and cherished kings in all of Israel. I mean, he started off like... As a shepherd boy, he was running after lions and bears and, and killing them with his own bare hands by the power of God. Right? This is Solomon's dad. He was a fearless warrior. And when he became king, everyone in all of Israel knew how great David was. And to make matters worse, God himself said about David, this is a man that I love because this is a man after my heart. 
right? That's a lot to live up to. Solomon's dad had it in his heart to build God a beautiful temple. David was looking around and he was thinking, man, this is not right. Like we're worshiping God in these big, massive revival tents and we have to set them up and tear them down. And, and this is the God of the universe we're talking about here. We should build this guy a temple. And God shows up to David and he says, David, I know that you have this in your heart to build me a temple, but you're not the one to build it. And David said, fine, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mobilize all the people and I'm going to procure all the resources and I'm going to even design the blueprints. I'm going to make this as fail safe as possible for Solomon. So Solomon inherits not only the, the legacy of his father, David, he inherits also the assignment of a lifetime and that is to build a temple that is worth the majesty of God and everything is already given to him. And Solomon is worshiping the Lord one time and he's making offerings to the Lord and God shows up and asks Solomon the million dollar question. Imagine this. Imagine being in a quiet time and God shows up and he says, I'll give you anything that you want. Like some of us think this is my dream. But when you understand the weight and the gravity of that, this is what we call the fear of the Lord. When you realize, holy smokes, this is massive. Like all, all of my entire life is hinging on how I respond to this one request. Anybody ever felt the weight of that before? And I want you to look at how Solomon responds. This is in 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 7 through 9. And, and none of us really know how old Solomon is at the time that God shows up to him. But I want you to listen to his response. Solomon says, beginning in verse 7, Now, Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father, David. But I am only a little child. Listen to that language. Solomon was most likely probably a young, at least a young man, maybe in his early to mid twenties, but, but he recognizes in, in the scope of what's before me, God, I'm just a little child. I have no idea what I'm doing and I am way in over my head. I don't know how to carry out my duties. He says in verse eight, your servant here is among the people you have chosen. It is a great people. There are so many people in Israel that we can't even count them. So now, give your servant a discerning heart. Another translation says, give your servant wisdom to know how to lead this people. That, my friends, is the fear of the Lord, which leads us to pursue wisdom in the heart and in the mind of God. The third thing that wisdom is, is wisdom is a response So the thing that we need to understand about wisdom is that it's free, that God wants you to be wise. God wants you to live life well. He wants you to end your days with absolute fulfillment and and, and that sense of completion in him. But but although wisdom is free, God's not going to make you wise automatically. It's something that you've got to pursue. It's something you have to respond to. Look with me in Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2. So we've just read in Proverbs chapter 1 that Solomon has written the book of Proverbs to help us become people of wisdom. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7 and in 9 verse 10 it says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Later on in chapter 1 you'll find that the, the scripture says that wisdom It calls aloud. It says, hey, listen, all of you who want to be wise, come in here, come to my table, and and I'll teach you. I'll help you. I'll I'll help you not make those same mistakes over and over and over again. And then we find in Proverbs chapter 2, this this command of response. Look at verse 1. My son and my daughter. 
And what I want you to notice here, and I want you to, just mentally, I want you to capitalize the word if. Capitalize that right now. Brand that into your head. If you accept my commands. If you store them up within you. If you turn your ear to wisdom. If you apply your heart to understanding. Listen to these power verbs. They're all verbs. Store up, apply, turn, incline. Verse three, indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding. What's the mental picture that comes? It's, it's this picture of desperation. God, I am crying out for wisdom as if my very life depended on it because it does. Right. It does. If you look for it as for silver or search for it as for hidden treasure, another way of saying that is if you look for it as if you lost your keys or your cell phone, right? If, if you look for wisdom in the same way that you look for that thing that matters the most in your life, look for wisdom that way. Have that same level of intensity, that same level of single-minded focus and pursuit. I will find wisdom if it costs me everything. In fact, later on in the Proverbs, one of the Proverbs says, though it cost all that you have, it would be worth you investing all of your money to purchase wisdom. Wisdom is more valuable than silver. It's more valuable than gold. Wisdom is more valuable than a good name. And if you're going to blow your money on something, don't do it on Dutch bros and movies and designer jeans. Spend your money on becoming wise. This is what the scripture tells us. Wisdom is a response. It is an action. We have a responsibility. We have a response to the invitation that God is giving to us to become wise. Verse, uh, verse 5, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. My prayer is that you go home and that you sit in these six verses of Proverbs chapter 2. Because we said earlier that the fear of the Lord is the starting point of wisdom. And what I'm finding here in, in Proverbs chapter 2 is that we can't even get to the fear of the Lord until we search for it and seek for it and cry aloud for it and store up his commands and incline our ear and pay attention and listen. And then we will understand the fear of the Lord and the fear of the Lord is the starting point of wisdom. So there's work in this. It's not just, you know, we sit in the worship service and we snap our fingers and we read a Bible verse and all of a sudden we become wise people. It's free, but it takes work. Wisdom is a response. Let me just for a couple of minutes give you some real practical points on wisdom. Just over several years of being in pastoral ministry and, and, and trying to live a, life, a, a, a wise life, I, I had to laugh actually at the title of this, a 43-year-old talking about how to become wise. Um, I'm not speaking from the point of someone who's wise, but I am speaking from the point of someone who's in the yoke of desiring to become wise like every single one of us. I can tell you there are men who are way more qualified to share about how to become wise in this room than, than me. But here's a couple of thoughts. If you want to be wise, here's, here's some responses. Surround yourself with wise people. Proverbs tells us that if you want to become wise, then walk with those who are wise. Like, like to just reduce this down to utter simplicity, everyone take a, a few steps back. And I want to talk particularly to those who, who are like 18 and younger, maybe even 30 and younger. And look around and take inventory of your friends. What amazes me is that somewhere between the age of like 12 to 30, like... Like, like our primary pool of wisdom 
are the people who have lived the exact amount of life that we have. Tell me how to deal with relationships, 16-year-old person on TikTok. (laughs) Tell me how to live a a wise and meaningful life, 13-year-old person on Instagram. Like... Like, just, just, just step back and take inventory and go, uh, there's a lady going, what is Instagram? What is that? What is, like, social media is not your treasure chest of how to live the wise life. And, here, and here's wisdom speaking to you. Look around and say, who are the people who've been married longer than 25 years? I'm going to talk to them about relationships. Who are the people who, you know, maybe they didn't just get lucky. Maybe, maybe what they did is they actually had to work diligently and they stewarded resources well over the course of a long time. And they're living a life of dominion in the area of resources. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they're rich or super wealthy. I'm talking about living wisely with what God has given to you. You don't have to have a lot to walk in dominion with what God has given to you. Pay attention to that. And more importantly, pay attention to the people that are generous. If you want to learn how to handle your money, watch the people that are generous. Watch the people who seem like nothing seems to rattle them, even though the entire world around them is falling apart. Listen to those people. Surround yourself with wise people and do three things. Ask them good questions. Friends, Learn how to ask a good question. I can't tell you as a pastor, 20 years of sitting down with people, typically when someone asks to meet with me, there are two things that happen. And none of you guys look back on your meetings with me and, and, and feel ashamed by this, okay? <laughs> typically, two things happen. Number one, someone sits down and they talk the entire time, Right? And, and hey, listen, fine. If that's what, you, if you need someone to listen to you, Pastor Jade will listen to you, right? I'll, I'll take you out, I'll buy you a cup of coffee and I will give you a solid hour where I will nod my head, I will look you deep into your eye, eyeballs and I will listen to everything that you have to say. I will listen to your story. I will listen to your wisdom. I promise you, I will walk out of that meeting and I will be wiser because I will listen. But, but, but listen, when you're sitting down with someone else, When you're sitting down for this purpose, ask good questions, all right? Ask meaningful questions. Questions like, how do I stay married for decades? Questions like, hey, what is something that you've learned but it cost you everything? Ask questions like, what are some of the pitfalls of being a business owner? Ask questions like, tell me about some of the hardest lessons you learned in leadership. Ask questions about someone's relationship with God. Ask questions about the rhythms that people live into that they've had to learn the hard way that have helped them to sustain the pressure and the pace of life. Ask a good question and then listen. Listen. Don't talk the entire time. Here's the other thing that happens when I sit down with somebody is that they schedule a meeting with me and then they sit down, they plop down, they look at me the whole time and go... Why are we meeting? (laughs) Okay, I'm leading the meeting now. Okay, great. So when you sit down with someone, don't sit there and expect them to pull everything out of you. If you schedule a meeting with someone, have three really good questions in your pocket. 
that you can pull wisdom out of a person's life. The second thing is not just ask good questions, but guys, learn how to listen. Learn how to listen. Learn how to listen well. Learn how to, to turn your cell phone off or push it aside unless you're taking notes with it. Learn how to take notes. Bring a journal along. This man right here, Greg Hoyt, First time I met him, he's sitting down at my kitchen table with a couple of other missions members, and he's got a journal out that is filled, chock full with leadership lessons. And we're talking about someone who has lived 30 years in high-level military positions who can outlead everybody in this room. And you know what he's doing? He's taking notes on leadership, right? And why is that? Because the wise listen to wisdom, and they add to their learning. So take notes. Give someone your attention nod, say, mm, that's good. Tell me more about that. Unpack that. That's, that, that. Just be a people who respond, right? And not just at the coffee table. In the sermon, respond. Thank you, Aaron. Yes, it is. <laughs> we'll, pa- we'll, we'll pick this up more in our family talk today. <laughs> Let's go. I love that. Ask good questions, listen, and then receive, receive. Particularly when someone says something difficult, right? Pay attention. Like there's times when someone says something, you go, that is totally not God. But there are times when they're saying something and the wounds of a friend can be trusted. The wounds of a friend. When you're sitting down with someone and and they've taken the risk to share something with you where they're like cashing in on friendship chips, right? Where they're pushing in their chips to the middle of the friendship table and saying, this, this is killing me, but, but man, I need to talk with you about this. You ought to pay attention to that and receive it deep into your soul, even if it hurts. That's what wisdom does. That's what wisdom does. Wisdom is a perspective. Wisdom is a posture. Wisdom is a response. And finally, friends, wisdom is a relationship. It's a relationship. You know, almost everything that I've shared with you today, if you listen to it from, certain, from, from a certain lens, from a certain per- perspective, you could listen to almost everything I've said today and you could walk away thinking that I'm talking just about being like better people and, uh, and, and I'm, I'm peddling like self-help advice. Right, you could listen to this, and there are people out there, there are books that are written, and there's taglines that say, begin with the end in mind, okay? There, there, are, there are books out there that say, leaders eat last, right? There are books out there that, that teach you how to sit down and ask good questions. There, there are books out there that say, build your, your social and your relational network. Friends, I am not talking about self-help this morning. I am talking about a wisdom that can only be purchased by God himself. I am talking about a wisdom that is from above. Two verses of scripture here that I want to point you to. The first is in Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2 verse 2 says, this is Paul and he's speaking to the young church at Colossae. We just came out of this series a few months ago. It says, my goal is that the people of God in the city of Colossae may be encouraged in their heart. They may be united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding. Why? Why? Listen, the goal here is not so that, the goal is not to become wise so that we can say that we're wise. It's not the goal. The goal is not to be the smartest person in the room. The goal is not to be successful as the world defines success. The goal, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely 
Christ, in whom are hidden all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You can walk out of here and have a lot of good tidbits, a lot of good nuggets. You can have a lot of quotable, tweetable things. But friends, if we walk out of this room and we're not drawn to know Jesus, we will not be wise people. The book of James chapter 3 tells us that there are two kinds of wisdom. There's the wisdom that is from below. But then there's this wisdom that is from above. The other day I was taking a walk and I just, this phrase kept rolling over in my mind. The wisdom that is from above. The wisdom that is from above. The wisdom that is from above. Let me read this verse to you in James chapter 3 and then we'll come to the table. Who is wise? This is verse 13 of James chapter 3. Who is wise among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds that are done in humility, the humility that comes from wisdom. Skip on down to verse 17. The wisdom that comes from above is pure, its motives are clean, it's peace loving. It's considerate. It's kind. If you're firing off that witty remark that shuts down your opponents, but it's not laced with kindness and humility, it's not the wisdom of God. It is submissive. It has the ability to lower pride and come up underneath someone else and say, you have something to teach me. It is full of mercy and good fruit. It is impartial and sincere. Friends, this is what we're after. Because this right here, what James 3.17 has just outlined, this is Jesus. This is the character and the nature of Jesus. Friends, let's stand to our feet this morning as we come to the table of the Lord. As we approach the table where Jesus himself, wisdom himself, laid down his life, Human understanding and worldly perspective would say if you want to lead, then you overthrow your enemies with power. That's worldly wisdom. We talked about this last week. But Jesus, who is wisdom incarnate, says this is the wisdom of the kingdom. The wisdom of the kingdom is that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. The wisdom of the kingdom is that true life comes when we lay our life down. And so when we come to the table this morning, friends, I am praying that every single one of us remember what Christ has done and most importantly, that we have a renewed encounter with wisdom himself. Let us come and receive the body and the blood of Christ here at the table and we will take it together.
friends, with this little thin wafer in our hand that speaks to and represents the body of Christ on the night before Jesus put wisdom into action, before he laid down his life for the sake of all humanity to be brought back into relationship with God. He sat down with his closest friends and he says, this is my body and it's broken for you. And if you would just just break that little wafer in your hand, a physical picture of Jesus's life being broken so that our lives could be made whole in God. And now friends, today I want to announce to you that this sacramentally, this is the body of Christ. It is broken for you. Let us take and let us eat. Then he took the cup and he says that this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. I'm going to shed my blood and pour out my blood, a sinless blood for a sinless, for a sinful people. This is the blood of Christ. It is shed for you, brothers and sisters. And by this act, I announce to you today, God is not angry with you. He is not mad at you. He is not against you. He is not opposed to you. Your sins have been forgiven by the life and the death of Jesus. Let us receive of the blood of Christ. Amen. Amen. Aaron, would you lead us in the doxology this morning? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Friends, aren't you glad that Jesus Christ has been made unto us wisdom? Scripture says, anyone who asks, who needs wisdom, let them ask of God. My prayer is that as you walk out of these doors, that you walk in the wisdom that God has made available for you. Two quick things before I bless you and send you out. There is a marriage conference at North that is happening this Saturday. Talk about wisdom. There are guys and gals who have lived the married life for decades. One of my fast becoming favorite speakers on marriage, a guy by the name of Jimmy Evans, is going to be at North this Saturday all day long. I think it's from like 9 to 4. Anyways, there's there's little uh, touch cards all around this building. You can also register online. I encourage any of you guys who are married or want to be married someday, it's never too soon to start investing into your marriage. All right? And the second, the second announcement I want to make is many of you guys are already aware of this. But for the summer, June, July, and August, we're going to be moving our children's ministry to the 9 o'clock service alone. We're going to be letting the 11 o'clock take a little bit of a sabbatical and a little bit of a Sabbath. And that's for a number of reasons. It's We're going to be building a bench of ministry crew members and serve team members for that 11 o'clock service. We're building out some infrastructure, doing some tighter training. And what's going to help us is that all of our parents would just bring their kids to the 9 a.m. service. All right. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 says this. It says, I pray 
that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And brothers and sisters, as we send you out into the world to be the faithful witness of God, this is my prayer for you, that God would bless you with the spirit of wisdom and revelation for all things at all times. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. May God bless you guys. See you guys at Family Talk for those.